0: This message by Bill Kittrell was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Bill serves as a senior pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. In your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 7, as we continue our series on the Sermon on the Mount during this Advent season, Matthew chapter 7. This morning we'll be in verses 7 through 11. 7 through 11, Matthew chapter 7, again reading in verse 7, read down through verse 11, this is God's word. I just want to pray for illumination before we look at this text. Lord, have mercy on us today. Having thought through this text during this week, I feel like you want to speak a word of encouragement to us, a promise, and Lord, I pray that everyone in here would hear a better sermon than I preach. I pray they'd hear the words of your sermon, the greatest sermon ever preached. Give us the gift of illumination. Let us behold, Lord wonderful things in your law we pray in jesus name amen verse 7 matthew chapter 7 if you don't have a bible if you'll raise your hand the ushers will bring you one and you can keep that bible and take it home with you would like everyone to be able to follow along jesus says to his disciples including us this morning Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? Ask For the help you need. I think that's the main point of our text today. What the Lord wants us to go home with. Ask for the help you need. Last last week we were in Matthew 6, and three times our Lord said, Do not be anxious. And then he said, if we are anxious, it's because we don't have enough faith. Oh, you of little faith. So we can hear Jesus saying, are you worried about things coming up this week? Anxious about tomorrow? You just need more faith. And we can think, or I can think, hey, tell me something I don't already know. If you're like me, this can seem unhelpful. And we, we can feel tempted when we hear texts like this and messages like this and our Lord saying things like this, we can feel discouraged and hopeless by the Sermon on the Mount. During this Advent season, we sing, O come all ye faithful, and now we sing, O come all you unfaithful, written by our own Lisa Clow. Coughlin wishes he had written that song. You can put his name up there all you want. I know who wrote that song. (laughs) Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come all you unfaithful, come weak and unstable. That's Lisa's song, her take, her kind of tweaking of the traditional carol. She wrote this song because she was here one Sunday morning and as is so often the case of our congregation she was discouraged after the meeting <laughs> just kidding she felt a disconnect that morning that morning she she was walking through adversity and like we all do this she was discouraged because she didn't feel faithful she didn't feel Joyful. She didn't feel triumphant. She felt unfaithful. She felt weak. She felt unstable. So she did what I always do. She went home and wrote a beautiful song. (laughs) The gospel is the word of God, it's truth. It's truth that does not overlook our weakness. The truth is that we're sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. Even our text says, you are evil. He didn't say we are evil. He said, you are evil. We are sinners. We fall short of the Sermon on the Mount. We fall short of, oh come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. We're all like Lisa. And there are times... When we come on the Lord's Day, live our lives throughout the week, we gather with God's people, we sing songs filled with truth, and we just don't feel it. It, it doesn't reflect the reality of our lives. The singing, the scripture reading, the prayers, the testimonies, sometimes they just don't reflect where we are. Jesus says, don't be anxious, don't be discouraged, put your hope in God. It just seems impossible sometimes. You know why? Because it is impossible. Matthew chapter 1, Matthew began his gospel with the Christmas story. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her, he was thinking she'd been immoral. But they, the angel said, no, that which is conceived in her is, is from the Holy Spirit. It's a miracle. She's a virgin who is pregnant. And she'll bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for a reason. He's going to save his people from all their sins. The gospel never says to us, from beginning to end, it never says, you're fine, just do it. Pick yourself up. Be faithful. Be joyful. Be triumphant. Never says that. The truth is, we need a Savior. We need grace. We need help. That's the gospel. Sinners need Jesus because they are unfaithful, weak, and unstable. We we need help, and we need a Savior. We need grace to make us faithful, joyful, triumphant. He came to save people from their sins. Three times, Paul said, he pleaded with the Lord about a thorn in the flesh that it would leave him, and the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness." And Paul said, therefore, I will boast more gladly of my weaknesses. That was what Lisa was doing. Boasting about her weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon us. The gospel says we come weak and what we're to do is ask and seek and find. It's so important the Lord repeats it in our text. And so let's take a close look at that text after we review. It's a good moment for review. Turn back to chapter 5, verse 1. Let's just review just for a minute because the first beatitude is relevant. The Sermon on the Mount says if you really want to be happy, here's the way, here's the type of person that is truly happy. This is the one that's really blessed. Verse 1, chapter 5. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, thus the sermon on the mount, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. This is not the crowds, it's his disciples, and he opened his mouth and he preached this sermon saying, first of all, first beatitude, the most important It's first for a reason. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's necessary for entrance into the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the humble. We looked at this. The Beatitudes are listed in verses 3 through 12, they're the foundation of the whole sermon. They're a description of what every Christian, every citizen of the kingdom of heaven is like. And none of these descriptions are what we naturally are like. Rob has been changed, transformed, he said, by the grace of God he experienced five years ago. Nobody by birth, nobody by, by nature is like these Beatitudes. That's not the point. Okay, you can do this, just do it. That's not the point. They're a description of people like Rob who have been transformed by grace. They've been born again. Each of these Beatitudes describes something That is the fruit of the gospel. We become like this through the work of the Spirit of Christ. We can be like this by the grace of God. Our whole life is given to the pursuit of this. It's the central glory of the gospel. Here's what Martin Lloyd-Jones, ever heard of him? Said, The Sermon on the Mount comes to us and says, there is the mountain that you have to scale. The heights you have to climb. And the first thing you must realize as you look at that mountain, which you are told you must ascend, is that you cannot do it. That you are utterly incapable in and of yourself, and that any attempt to do it in your own strength is proof positive. That you have not understood it. <laughs> That's why I just quote him. I mean, why not? Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Sermon on the Mount comes and says, there's your mountain. Climb, climb it. Ascend it. You can't do it. And the poor in spirit say yes and Amen. There is no one in the kingdom of God who is not poor in spirit. We live in a world, a fallen world. It's part of a fallen world that loves to boast the very thing condemned in the Beatitudes. One day we're going to be like the Beatitudes and we're going to transfer all the glory to Jesus Christ. People of the world can be very confident. They can have a difficult time seeing their limitations. The the disciple of Christ is the only person in the world who sees correctly his limitations, his own limitations. He's born again. He has a new nature. He is made poor in spirit. And he's the only truly happy, blessed person person humility true joy peace goodness faithfulness they're all things we cannot do they're beyond our reach we're called to do it but we are incapable of doing it we're poor in spirit what what we continue to see in this best sermon ever preached is that Jesus is not giving us a new law. Now do it. Jesus is concerned that we humble ourselves and acknowledge our need. He's worried about, he's not worried, but he's concerned. He's communicating about our attitude towards ourselves. He wants that attitude to be poor in spirit. We we are, and we confess, and we sing. We are unfaithful. We are weak. We are unstable without Christ. All the things the the world boasts about, all the things that we maybe one day used to boast about, they mean nothing when you come into the presence of God. And so it leads us to this text. Again, back in Matthew chapter 7. Listen carefully to what he says. So we, we, we've come into the kingdom. We are poor in spirit. And now the Lord and Savior says, ask. And it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock. And it'll be open to you for everyone who asks, receives. Talking to his disciples, those in the kingdom, citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. To the one who knocks, it will be opened. It's not a one time ask. All of these are communicating continual asking, continual seeking, continual knocking. There's a perseverance and persistence that's expected here. But it's it's a promise. And it's repeated for emphasis from the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask, seek, knock. Again, Lloyd-Jones, I cannot imagine a better, more cheering, or a more comforting statement with which to face all the uncertainties and hazards of our life in this world of time than that contained in verses 7 through 11. It's one of those great, comprehensive, and gracious promises which are to be found only in the Bible. This is the essence of the biblical message. For example, Psalm 34, verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. David was preaching this. Psalm 50, again, David, Call upon me, the Lord says in the day of trouble. I'll deliver you and you shall glorify me. Life is a journey. It's filled with problems and uncertainties. And what matters is how ready we are to meet trouble, challenges. You must ascend the mountain, but you cannot. You know what our biggest problem is? We overestimate our abilities. There was a very important survey recently, probably funded by the Government, about 2,000 adults were asked in both the U.S. and Great Britain, which of the following animals, if any, do you think you could beat in a fight if you were unarmed? Which of the following animals, if any, do you think you could beat in a fight if you're unarmed? They surveyed Americans and Brits. And you probably won't be surprised to learn that in every single animal, Americans were more confident (laughs) that they could fight that animal than the Brits were. Here's a few, okay? So rats, 70%. We tied with the Brits on this, 70%. I can beat a rat unarmed. Same for a house cat. There there begins to be a little divergence when you get to the goose. 60% of Americans think they could fight a goose unarmed and win, but only 45% of Brits. They must must have some mean geese over there in Britain. Eagles, 30% of Americans think they could fight an eagle, less than 20% of Brits. A lion? Almost 10% of Americans think they could fight and defeat a lion unarmed. The Brits, they're right around 0%. This is when they begin to distinguish themselves. Crocodiles, 0% for the Brits, 10% for Americans. Gorilla? 10% 10% of Americans, zero, Brits, elephants, almost 10% of Americans think, think they could defeat an elephant unarmed. Grizzly bears, 7% of Americans. Which, which animal, if you were unarmed, could you beat in a, a fight? Listen, once you get past the house cat, run. (laughs) Flee. You're going to lose, okay? Maybe the goose. The point is we overestimate our abilities. We have a difficult time being poor in spirit. Jesus said, apart from me, You can do nothing. We overestimate our abilities. We don't see our need. We're on a journey. Remember when Abraham was called by God in Genesis 12? He didn't even know where he was going. He wasn't even told where he was going, but he was happy. He he had peace. Because he knew who was with him. He had a promise from God that God would be with him. Even though he didn't even know, talk about uncertainty, he didn't even know where he was going. He knew God would never forsake him. Jesus said in John 16, Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered. He's talking to his closest disciples, his most trusted friends. Hour is coming, you're going to be scattered, each to his own home. You're going to run and flee and leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. That's what our text is saying to you. Not that you'll be delivered from that hour, but that the Father, your Father, will be with you the way he was with Christ. Here in in our text, we're not promised the Lord will change our journey. The Lord isn't saying to us, don't worry about life. You're not going to have any more trouble once you are born again. Once you come into the kingdom of heaven, It's a bed of roses. That's not the promise. He doesn't promise to remove difficulties, trials, problems, tribulations. We live in a fallen world, and even as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we're going to experience trouble. The great treasure of the kingdom is that God is with us in our lives. No matter what happens along the way, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be anxious. Why? Because we can ask. We can seek. We can knock. We can keep on asking and not quit. Jesus repeatedly assures us our prayers will be heard. That's the promise today. May the Spirit of Christ illuminate each and every heart so that we see this. It's an extraordinary promise. We know from reading Scripture, the Lord isn't saying He'll give us every single desire that we ever have. I I am grateful, and I'm sure many of the older Christians in the room here would be grateful. The Lord hasn't given me everything I wanted along the way. I can think back to certain things I asked for in the past and actually be, Lord, thanks for not answering that prayer. I'm glad you closed that door when I knocked. I'm glad you rejected my prayer. The, the, this promise is not given to us so we can just be selfish. This is not a genie in a bottle and we make a wish and we get three wishes. This is to, to enable us to accomplish what we could never accomplish. To ascend a mountain we can't ascend. The righteousness, the humility the purity and the love that's being preached in the Sermon on the Mount. It's beyond us. We can't do this except through Him. That's what this is about. Those in the kingdom are poor in spirit. They acknowledge personal bankruptcy. I don't have any more funds. Can't do it. But here is the way to faithfulness, to joy, to triumph. All these are available to us in Christ. Think about it just for a minute. Let's let's apply it to our lives. Do you you deal with anger? I'm I'm just thinking through different things. You deal with anger, maybe drunkenness, lust, depression, anxiety, Maybe you have different fears, phobias. Mine is claustrophobia. I got a bad case of claustrophobia. It's a fear of enclosed spaces. I saw one definition. It's an extreme and irrational fear of enclosed spaces. That's me. I do not like enclosed spaces. Things like small rooms, elevators. I have taken a lot of steps in my days. Roller coasters with those you know, automatic restraints. I don't like that. A lot of medical testing, like MRIs. It's for rats, not for people in my opinion. Let's come up with something better Don't expect help from the technicians. They're not going to be a therapist for you. But reading about it, they they talk about the symptoms. Mild anxiety, panic attacks. Attempting to get out of the situation by any means possible. Possible. The problem is if you're on an airplane, which I do not like because I'm enclosed. The problem is when you're on an airplane, if you try to escape, then they arrest you, handcuff you, and throw you in a prison cell. So it keeps me in my seat. It's only going to get worse. And how, how do people, how do therapists seek to help people with claustrophobia? They have breathing techniques. They, they encourage you to visualize like a calm place, comforting scene, keep reminding yourself you're safe, this is irrational, meditate, they have thought stopping, you just say to those thoughts, stop, I've tried that one, <laughs> you know, they multiply It's like they go get their friends, and they all come, and they inhabit my body. Stop! In some ways, I do those things. I meditate on Scripture. I think about it. I will will say, you know, I don't know if you remember John Madden. John Madden was a football coach. He died a few years ago. He's famous guy, famous for his, um, you know, electronic game for football, Madden football, whatever that's called. Nintendo? <laughs> is that what it is? Uh, but he was claustrophobic on airplanes. He gets what none of you people get, which is you can't get out once you get in there. And you don't understand that, but he did. And, uh, and he decided... He would never fly again, bought a Winnebago, and famously drove all over the country to every place he had to go. I totally—I read that early on. I was like, man, I'm with you 100%. You just can't afford a Winnebago. <laughs> I really thought, you know what, I want to be able to preach this message. And so I've probably flown this year more than most of you in this room. Never enjoy it. I have sought the Lord more than three times and said, take away claustrophobia. And he has said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. So I boast about my weakness, and I get on those airplanes. And I just want to say to you, he answers our prayers. This is true. These promises are true. What gets me through it every time is he is with me. And I sense his presence and he gives me strength. So I don't know what you battle. But you have your Lord saying to you today, you have a terrible need of grace to ascend this mountain, to live this life. I promise you, ask. Seek, knock. You will never be alone. And he will fulfill his promises. So, hear this promise today and hear it repeated. (laughs) Hear it again and again. Verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, And it will be open. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. He repeated it. So why have we not received? Three reasons. Number one, we have not realized our need. We have not realized our need. What will make you persistent is recognizing your need. In Luke's account, where he gives this text in chapter 11 of Luke's gospel, he says that Jesus told a parable before he gave these promises. He said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him verse 7 and he will answer from within don't bother me the door's now shut my children are with me in bed i can't get up and give you anything i tell you though he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend yet because of his impudence his disrespectful persistence he'll give him his bread the point, and then Jesus goes on to say, "Ask, seek." Now the point is, God is calling us in prayer to disrespectful persistence. And I hold him to it personally. I'm glad to do it. Don't quit. Luke also records another parable about, remember the persistent widow. Where the unrighteous judge who is not like your heavenly father says, I'm going to give her what she wants unless, so she won't keep coming and wear me out. There is a point here. Ask, seek, knock, keep it up, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking. We have not because we ask not this way. We stop asking. We lose heart. We get discouraged. Jesus is making a promise to you. You're called to ascend this mountain this week. Ask and you will receive. A second reason we have not received is because we have not related to God as our Father. We have not related to God as our Father. Verse 9 Which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? The the answer is none of us. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Of course not. Then Jesus says, "If if you then, who are sinners, redeemed sinners in the kingdom, But sinners, you are evil. You know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father, your father, it's a theme in the Sermon on the Mount. He just keeps, the citizens of the kingdom are children of God. He is their father. If, if an earthly father does these good things, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask, seek, and knock? It's a promise. If you haven't received, because you're not re, re, relating to God as your father, you're not thinking like this. It, it's no small matter. To not know God as our Father as we should know Him. The main problem is knowing God. It's about our relationship with God. We're promised all these things in every circumstance as children of God. He is not everyone's Father. This, this fatherhood language is reserved for those who are citizens of the kingdom. By nature, we are children of wrath. We are evil. We are enemies of God. By nature, we are not his children. But Jesus says in John chapter 1, I mean, John writes in John 1, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So when you come to Christ and you receive him and you trust in him, you become a child of God. He becomes your heavenly Father, your Father in heaven. You have access to him because of Christ. He's concerned about you. Why have we not received what we need? We've not related to him like this. We don't relate to him as a father, as a heavenly father who's concerned about you, who watches over you, who has a plan for you, who has purposes for you. He who began this in you is not now going to forsake you. He is is with you. He has a vested interest in you. (laughs) He wants to bless you and help you. And he's promising you. This is not my idea. This is his word saying to you this morning, this week. Whatever's on your mind. We're going to have second Sunday ministry time here in a bit. Come up and let us pray with you. And we will ask and we will seek and we will knock with you if if your son asks for bread would you give him a stone if he asks for a fish would you give him a serpent of course not multiply that by infinity lord jones says and that is god's attitude towards those who are his children finally we haven't received number 3 because we haven't Realize that our Father is the perfect Father. He he never makes a mistake. Earthly fathers make mistakes. The Lord knows the difference between good and evil in a way that no earthly father does. We may not want to give them a stone when they ask for bread, but we make mistakes. He never makes a mistake. We we might want something for them. We might give them something that we think is best. But then we discover later it was bad. Your Father who's in heaven never does that. He never makes A mistake, he'll never give you anything that's going to turn out harmful to you. He's not going to give you something that seemed good, but then later, oh, it was harmful. He will never make that kind of mistake. And if we realize we're in the hands of that kind of father, this week is transformed. multiply it times infinity. So let's ask today and this week for the help we need. Luke says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Because that is the good gift that is the gift that keeps on giving that is the gift that is responsible for every good gift and we have a promise in this text that he will give you the holy spirit the spirit of christ jesus said it's better for him to go and be with the father which would have been very hard to understand and believe but he said that because he was going to send his spirit. And this morning we have a promise that if we ask, if we seek the spirit, we will be given the spirit. If We seek the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the spirit is all the things we need, isn't it? it's transforming grace. So we're going to have a time of ministry now. Every second Sunday of the month we have this special time of ministry. We have some pastors and folks in the church are going to come and have little teams. Ushers will help you come up. Let me ask you to stand. We're going to return to singing. I want to invite you though as we begin singing, I want to invite you to come down for prayer. This is Just a perfect morning for you to cast your burdens to the Lord. If you are anxious, if you are worried, if you are wrestling with sin in your life and you want to be set free, regardless, this morning is the morning to pray and ask for help. So, Father, on behalf of the congregation, we all come to you this morning. We've heard your word, we've heard the Sermon on the Mount. We are motivated to pray, Lord. I pray for this congregation. I pray for every individual, Lord. Let them hear your word. I know they've read this before, but let them hear it in a fresh way today. Give us a a desire to pray and cry out to you, Lord. And I pray for answered prayer. Pray that our faith in your promises would be made strong this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message given by Bill Kittrell during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.